Hey, this is Jason V, creator of Absent Sire. I was gone for a while, I know, and I've been busy. I have another podcast, Local Color. I've also been working on my career and getting certifications. I work in IT. For a while, I was a little reluctant to work on Absent Sire because, well, if you've listened to all the episodes, you'll understand. After much delay, though, I'm back with episode three. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Jason V. Welcome to episode three of Absent Sire. In this episode, I learned more about Dad's time in college and life afterward. At this point in Dad's life, he was far enough away from home to try and enjoy life, but the things we leave behind always have a way of catching up to us. Let's begin. For most people, high school is a drag. For those who enjoyed high school, they either peaked early or had a stable home life. Dad did not peak in high school, and his home life was everything except stable. I um, I graduated early from junior high school, took a test. I was accepted to Brooklyn Tech, which at the time and probably still is one of the better academic high schools in the city of New York, you know, with an emphasis on science and and that kind of stuff. Because at the time, I thought I wanted to be an engineer. So that, unfortunately, didn't go well. The way Brooklyn Tech was set up at that point in time, it was an all-boys school. You stayed with the same classmates throughout all your classes throughout the entire day. And I had a you know real problem adjusting because the group of students that I was with, there was a lot of distractions. You know, you know, other students doing a whole bunch of stuff. I didn't really enjoy that experience. As a matter of fact, I left Brooklyn Tech after that year. Uh, I think it was, as a matter of fact, I think it was uh, about halfway through the year. And I went back to Schenectady, which, you know, which was weird. And then I enrolled in, I enrolled in high school in Schenectady. You could copy and paste Dad's feelings about high school onto a 14-year-old kid in 2003 Baltimore, and you'd get me. I hated high school until about 12th grade, and that's another story. Dad returned to Schenectady for high school and didn't stay long. I finished up the school year there, and then I went to summer school, and then... For the next school year, I went back to New York in uh, in Jamaica Queens. Uh, um, so, trip. was your dad living in Jamaica Queens that, uh, when you went? Yeah, yeah, they they were um, they were living in Jamaica. Grandpa Van, who you'll recall is Dad's father and my grandfather, was living in Jamaica Queens when Dad was in school. They had been there for a while. There was a Macy's right around the corner, a lot of shopping and stuff like that there. It's kind of like, I guess, the, the heart of Towson would be. When I moved to New York to live with my dad and my stepmom, that's the way Jamaica was. And throughout my high school, uh, kind of lost my train of thought. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that was the environment that I, you know, that I through high school and that. What was the general social climate like when you were in high school? Because at that point, it was what, the 70s, the 80s? Yeah, late late 60s, um, early 70s, because I graduated from high school in 73. Okay. So um, they kind of put it in context. Okay, you know, the Apollo missions had, you know, had landed on the moon and, you know, a couple, within a couple of times, during that period as far as 
the social climate. I mean, it was pretty stable. There weren't there weren't a whole lot of um, a protests and that going on at that time. Um, the Vietnam War was winding down, and they had um, just before I had turned 18 and was eligible for the draft. They had, they had switched it over from a mandatory draft to a draft lottery. And I can remember having concerns about that because I really wasn't interested in going to Vietnam. So I was kind of had kind of had two frames of mind about that. Either one, I was going to probably leave and go, you know, go to Canada or number two, you know, I, I had the, the, you know, the wild idea of becoming like a Rambo type because if I had to go, I wanted to learn as much as I could about dispatching people as quickly as possible. So, you know, that's kind of how I was thinking from that standpoint. But I was also um, looking at and looking forward to going to college. Um, but I didn't really I didn't really have a plan on how to do it. Dad made it to college, and we'll get to that in a bit. For those unaware, Rambo was a book-turned-movie starring Sylvester Stallone. The titular character, John Rambo, is synonymous with hypermasculinity and probably some things that are wrong with how we look at war and the veterans that come home. I was more curious about Dad's reluctant Rambo idea. Before, before we talk about college, when you were talking about the possibility of you going into the military, you were saying that you, like one part of you was either just going to go to Canada or the other part of you was, like you said, you know, just going to become Rambo, uh, that, that other part, I guess the more violent side, what, uh, where do you think that came from? Where do you think that feeling came from? Um, I feel like that, that basically wasn't, was an outgrowth of, of, of a couple of things. One, um, you know, my, my dad had told me stories about him being in the military and um you know and some of the things that he experienced and then you know my attitude about it quite honestly was is that if if i was going to get drafted and i was going to have to have to go and fight well you know in my mind logically then you need to become the best fighter you could possibly be because if you're going to have to put your life on the line every day then um you know you you would want to go ahead and 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 um you know, and be the best that you could. The flip side of that dichotomy was, I really didn't want to be part of it. All right, that I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a lot of faith in our, um, in our reasons for, and I didn't agree, agree with our reasons for being there in the first place. The military is in my family's blood, but on my mom's side. Two cousins, an uncle, a grandfather, my stepdad, and my mother herself all served their country. For a time, I wanted to serve, but the universe had other plans for me. Dad continues. I didn't. I didn't support what was happening, in, uh, you know, within um, Vietnam at that time. And then you also have to realize that um, at that time, the TV news was, you know, was filled with videos and stuff like that from what was going on over there. With so much happening around him and the threat of the draft looming over his head, Dad got lucky, or rather, he was born at the right time. It was based on your birthday, and and depending upon what your birthday came up as, as a, as a number between one and three hundred or five hundred, whatever it was, they took were the lowest numbers, and then they went ahead and and um, inducted them into the service. Fortunately for me, my birthday was never a low number. And, and plus, I went ahead and, and got into, um, into college at SUNY Albany. 
So um, that kind of um, ended my um, my susceptibility to the draft as long as I stayed in school. And then, you know, my birthday you know, wasn't one of the low numbers. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if, like, your birthday being in January like put you at an advantage or a disadvantage, but it sounds like you were able to kind of just skate by uh, just, just like as a circumstance of when your birthday was. Um, so right. you got accepted in the SUNY Albany. Did you really even want to go to college? Was it something that was um, like, was it something that was discussed? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good question. Um, I, to be real honest, I wasn't real motivated. I mean, I didn't go through the process of, I mean, I took the PSATs and SATs and but I didn't really have a game plan. Dad's sister Deborah was the only close family member he had that went to college, and she had been dead for some time. College wasn't an expectation for Dad, and it beat getting shot at in the sweltering heat of Vietnam. It also helped that Dad got the hookup when it came to college. And the way the way SUNY Albany worked out is that one of my best friends, his sister's boyfriend, was a um was an advisor for the Educational Opportunities Program. And that program was set up to assist minorities and disadvantaged kids to get into school. So because he was an advisor, he got me into SUNY Albany. And, um, and that's, how I, that's how I wound up there. I didn't really have a, a, a list of, you know, preferred colleges or anything like that. Like I said, I was just kind of like floating along with it. It's insane how close my life mirrored Dad's. College wasn't necessarily an expectation in my mom's household. It was one of three choices I could make post high school. It was either college, the job force, or the armed forces. I didn't really take applying for college seriously, a decision I'm paying for one auto debit payment to Sally Mae at a time. When you were at SUNY Albany, did you live on campus or did you live off campus? What was your situation like? I lived on campus for the first three years and I moved off campus and um, lived with you know a couple other students. and you know, went through the whole, you know, student life off campus deal, um, eating a lot of peanut butter and jelly. I had a lot of kids that um, that went there from different parts of the state. Um, a lot of kids, a lot of kids there, my, my initial assessment of it was that there was, they had like maybe like 15,000 students there on campus. And a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of them were from like, middle to upper middle class um, white high schools a lot of kids from uh, on Long Island the vast majority of the uh, of the students there were white from various parts of the state but a lot of them from downstate in the New York area um, there was I think at its peak maybe 700 minority students on the campus and that included all um, all classes from you know from seniors on down when I first got there, I um, I was at, they had the dorms were set up in suites, so there was a suite. The suite consisted of a three-person um, sleeping area and a two-person sleeping area that were um, combined with a uh, a common area, and that you know that was the, the suite setup. And when I first when I first got there, I was in a suite with um, with four other white guys, and um, that was a bit of a a bit of a shock. You know they were pretty cool. Um, I didn't really do any a whole lot. I mean, I was friendly with them, but I didn't really socialize with them or anything like that. Um, we, you know, the the, uh, the minority students at SUNY Albany just kind of stuck together. 
um, to try to support one another. Um, but uh, myself, even within that, um, I really didn't participate in, in like um, any special clubs or anything like that for minority students. You know, I was kind of the lone wolf type of thing. I've said it already, and I'll say again how fucking crazy it is that my college experience was almost a carbon copy of Dad's. I spent a year and a half in Connecticut and learned a lot about white people, and honestly black people from the north. They thought I was some hillbilly from down south because of how I talked, then when I told them where I was from, they were kinda nicer to me. A lot of times when you're quiet and keep to yourself, people think that you're weird and possibly mentally disabled, the latter I experienced firsthand. Dad may have been a loner and isolated at Albany, but dumb, he was not. Dad majored in accounting. And little did I know that, that, that SUNY Albany had one of the toughest um, business schools in the state or in, probably in the country. He was a smart cookie, but a chocolate cookie in a tray of shortbreads. I would consistently be one of one or one of maybe two uh, minorities within any of my classes. What was that like for you? Their whole thing was to go ahead and weed students out. They, they wanted that setup to cause, quote unquote, the best students to bubble to the top. And then, and everybody else was collateral damage, really. So for me, um, I was kind of of two minds about it. I mean, it was, it was really, um, it was really rigorous and, and, um, and also, from my perspective, it was very, very lonely. Dad focused on his studies and excelled, though college proved to be a little too rigorous for an introverted boy from Schenectady. I was so burnt out on on that environment, the academic environment, and that at the time that um, I left SUNY Albany like six credits short of my degree, and I went to work because I had gotten a job with um, an insurance company. Um, so what I did was I um, I left school, moved to New Haven, Connecticut, to go ahead and start working in the insurance business. And that, that you know that's that's how I I wound up leaving school and going to work. And I spent I spent five years working. But I worked from seventy. No, I guess it was a little longer than that. I worked from 78 to 85, and then um, in 85, I made the decision to go back to school and finish up my degree. Dad got his bachelor's in accounting with a minor in finance and continued working in insurance. By this time, like Dad said, it was the mid-80s. My sister was born in 87, and I was born in 89. Somewhere between 85 and 87, Dad met Mom. Find Absent Sire on Instagram at Absent Sire Show. To reach out, email Absent Sire Show at gmail.com. I'm Jason V. Thanks for listening.